0: Welcome to the SAP Concur Conversation Podcast. Each episode, we sit down with industry experts, visionaries, and leaders as they share what it takes to build forward thinking spend and travel programs. Our goal is to get you thinking differently about how your business spends its time and money. I'm your host, Gene Dian. I'm the Vice President of the Value Experience team here at SAP Concur. And my team works with our customers to deliver positive business outcomes based on data driven insights today i'm joined by phil mcnamara of proven and bailey dickey of GGV capital and we're going to explore some new territory here actually we're going to talk about the startup space during our conversation we'll do our best to demystify vendor relationships we'll explore the increased pressure on startups to add value while reducing complexity and costs and we'll talk a little bit about digital transformation we're going to cover a lot in this short time, so I want to kick things off with some introductions. Bailey, can I start with you? Would you be willing to introduce yourself to the audience?
1: Of course. Thanks for having me, Jean. Um, I'm Bailey Dickey. I am the VP of Networks and Business Development at GGV Capital. We are a global VC, uh, currently $9.2 billion in AUM with over 350 active portfolio companies. We invest seed through growth. And along three main sector theses, enterprise infrastructure, application layer SaaS, and consumer fintech. My role here is really focused on supporting our founders and their teams as they continue to grow and scale. Uh, And that takes on a bunch of different flavors, community, ecosystem development, customer introductions, uh, you name it. So it's been a fun five years here.
0: Wow, that sounds really exciting. I'm excited to hear your insights. And Phil, would you mind introducing yourself to our audience?
2: Sure. Yeah. My name is Phil McNamara. I'm the founder and CEO of Proven. Our job is to make life easier for entrepreneurs by helping them get access to deals and discounts to some of the most popular products that they use. And also by helping them to introduce them to potential buyers of their software or services and we work with some great firms like ggv to help them you know become more efficient in their operations
0: that is fantastic and so now that i have my two experts i can't wait to pick your brains about a couple of questions that i have as we look at that startup mentality you know i know with every business even in a startup There are three ways to improve profitability, you have to sell more you have to or you increase your prices or you reduce your costs or you do all three right that's what the killers do. But when we think about some of our startups, especially our early stage companies, what are some of the other challenges that they're facing as they start to work into that profitability space Bailey I don't know if you have any thoughts on that.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, every startup, every founder, I know Phil will have opinions on this too, because he's living it as well, but there's a lot of pressure for founders. You know, they're trying to grow and scale their teams to keep up with demand. They're trying to ensure that they have product market fit. They're trying to find and close customers. There's a lot of complexity, not to mention continuing to iterate on product and, and keep up with all of this crazy new stuff coming out around AI or what the market might be demanding and and layer on top of that, you know, continuing to fundraise to grow and uh, scale. So I think what's, what's really interesting about kind of understanding how you can manage the complexity and ensure that you are finding the best deals and software for your scale and growth is that um, it really can have an impact on the business, on the business's ability to grow, the tools that you choose, the processes that you set up. So Phil, if you have any insights from, from your side.
2: Yeah, for sure, for sure. Like it is incredibly difficult for a founder to figure out, you know, what are the right tools? What are the right vendors? How can I save money? How can I stop spending money? All the while thinking about, okay, how can I get new customers? And and the, the story I tell is when I, I came to Silicon Valley 15, 15 years ago, you know, was trying to do a startup, didn't know anybody, was very much fresh off the boat, fresh meat to a lot of vendors out there. And I remember signing up a law firm just because it was a law firm that was recommended to me and they had left a voicemail on my phone to tell me about something and a month later I got a bill in in the post and it was they they left a $250 fee for for leaving a 2-minute voicemail on my phone and it just seemed ridiculous and and things like accountants saying yeah we'll do your books for you but we want 5% equity in your company so there is quite a bit of this i i know i know it's changed now but it quite a bit of this feeding frenzy you know the more entrepreneurs that are coming into a space the more pressure there is on them to you know get good deals and it it's really hard for for founders to to know who to trust and to know who to who to reach out to and thankfully now there's a lot more transparency in the market and it's a lot easier for founders to kind of know okay i don't need to pay you know $1,000 an hour to a law firm, or I don't need to give equity to a, an accounting firm. But founders are, you know, they're, they're kind of an easy target sometimes, especially, you know, very early stage founders for some vendors who might want to take advantage of them. So it is, it's, it's quite perilous for vendors, especially in the, sorry, for founders, especially in the early days.
0: So you mentioned a, a number of different things there. And I start to think about this universe of technology options that every company that's starting up has available to them. And if you think about how you're starting and you're looking at a growth potential, right, because they're having to prove their growth and their worth every, you know, kind of 30, 60, 90, 180 days, there's a schedule that they have to meet when they're looking at putting together some technology options to help run their company, are they moving towards overall providers? Are they using multiples? And and Phil, I guess, uh, from from this perspective for you, since you've also lived to this as as somebody who was starting up with some tech, are companies actually able to identify what they need in a system and make sure that it's going to fit them for the growth? that they're expecting or are they going to come in and take something and think of it almost like a piece of of software that they're going to discard after a certain amount of time and disengage and grow with something else? How are they looking at that? How are they looking at technology to run their companies?
2: Yeah, I think it's a really good question. Like, you know, you go into a a business relationship with the best of intentions and, and often it's you'll just ask your friends and you'll ask your fellow founders, hey. Which product should I use for this for this solution? What do you like? What do you not like? Founders don't really have time to do a, like a proper like RFP process. They're not like a a big corporation who can look into all the pros and cons and, and put an Excel spreadsheet together and look at the cost to to value benefits. So often the first thing they'll do is a you know who who do I know that I trust has used this before and b can I get a discount on it? And you know what we're trying to do is to make that process a little bit easier often you may end up in a situation where you'll buy something it'll work for a couple of years and you'll think oh hell i've got to, i i've got to rip this out and do something else now this is not good for us or it's getting too expensive we got into a really sweet deal in the early days and now the price has gone up tenfold and we're stuck so it's really difficult for founders to know who to trust again and, and which vendors to use so kind of having that feedback from other founders is getting really, really important because there's founders out there who've done it for 10 years, who know the good vendors, who know what you should be spending on, what you shouldn't be spending on. And getting that advice from founders is, is really important. And I'm sure, Bailey, you've helped those conversations with your portfolio companies.
1: Yeah. And I think you touched on something that's kind of like the big the big one, Phil, is cost is at the top of every founder's mind, especially in those early days. Actually, I mean, in in today's kind of climate as well, I think cost is on top of everybody's mind. But having access to deals and then having connections to folks who are maybe currently using those products can talk to their experience. Those are always the things that we look for when we're helping anyone assess a deal.
0: Mm So when you're advising organizations about this, these startup organizations, are there any advice that you give them for some long-term scalability, any milestones that you give outside of, you know, talk to your fellow founders who are in the same position as you and see what they like? Are there other guidance points that you can give them?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of times, I mean, it's not just the founders who are making these buying decisions, it's their executive team um and their executive team and even the folks on their teams who are using those tools there's so many startups who are buying from startups that are have freemium offerings or who are targeting developers specifically or folks who are you know first introduced to technology through an open source community and then want to be able to use the the paid version with so there's there's a lot of kind of different facets and different ways that you can get roped into purchasing different technologies i think we always advise to make sure that your entire leadership team or anyone who's making those purchasing decisions has visibility into what that cost looks like for the next year. You know, how do these tools support you know collaboration across the organization? Are there different parts of the orgs that can be using them as well, kind of, you know, versus something that's very specific to, say, an engineering team or your people team. And all of these kind of change and grow as as a company scales because, probably don't have a people team you don't need an ATS when you're you know 15 20 even 50 people sometimes we see so those needs will change as, as you grow and scale as well
0: those are really good pieces of advice because I, I think about it you know how many people are using the tools will you need to be using this tool in 6 12 18 24 36 months what's the plan look like so to your point you know having the right pieces in place for at that time, or just in time, type of work really makes a great deal of sense. Are, Phil, are you seeing companies going with a larger suite or an overall provider typically when they're starting out?
2: Usually, they'll go for the best one that suits them at the right time, and they're not really thinking long term about which you know which products are going to last for the next ten years. You know, they'll look at which ones are my friends using, which ones have a good reputation have they got a good brand in the marketplace and then do I think this is going to last for for a long time and like sadly it's really difficult to know you know exactly how much you're paying like if you were to ask me today Phil, how much are you paying for Figma licenses or how much am I paying for Slack I just wouldn't know Uh, you know it's and I'm using I'm probably using 50 tools probably I probably don't know half of them I don't know how much I'm spending you know I'll talk to my accountant at the end of the month and we'll go okay we've we've made money great but you know, she said to me recently, Phil, you know, are we, are we overlapping on tools that we don't need anymore? And I'm like, uh, I don't know, maybe Could you take a look. So, so this is something that I would like to know on a weekly basis is a, how much are we spending on tools? And, and B, is there an overlap? Are we overspending on, let's say accounting software or anything? Mm -hmm. And, you know, especially now the economy isn't amazing people are cutting costs we need to keep cutting costs and having access to kind of real time data on spend would be would be really, really useful and that's something that we're working on just
1: your point or gene or your question yeah. around kind of scale and and company scaling it has been fun even just in the last 5 years that I've been in this role seeing companies that were truly startups like very early stage companies and kind of the upstarts selling into other you know series a or b companies grow over the last five years and expand their offering to be able to grow with their early customers as they move up market. So I think a good tool is a good tool and, and hopefully they can scale and grow with you. But of course, organizations hit breaking points and they need new solutions. So recognizing when that point is going to happen and getting ahead of it before you know everything's falling apart and it's impacting your employees, I think that's something that's always important to keep in mind.
0: Well, it sounds like both of you are talking about something that's near and dear to my heart, which relates to reporting and data, right? How we're using things, what we're using, and when we're using it, when should we stop using it and look for something else to use, right? So that reporting is truly critical for all companies, but it sounds like it's especially critical for our startup organizations is there anywhere that they can get benchmarking data on what others are spending to see if they're in line with it so that when they take this spending in and they're looking at their own reportings, so that they can see if they're following the right trajectory from a spend perspective or is this something that doesn't exist for anybody and they have to kind of you know forge their own path
2: so today it doesn't really exist i think what what happens is and bailey i'm sure you found this is that a founder will come to you and say hey we have a renewal quote from this this vendor it does this look reasonable you know is, is a good price a bad price and of course you know the the partners or vendors out there aren't willing to kind of share the prices they've given to all the different portfolio companies because they've done some really good deals and some regular deals um, so it is quite hard to find we're working on a solution that will allow the founders to know exactly how much they're spending each month on all of their different kind of SaaS products while giving the vc kind of an overall view of, okay, on average, this is what your uh, Series A companies are spending on these tools. It won't give them exact pricing. It'll give that to the founder. We think this will be helpful in, in a few ways, uh, allowing the VC to understand, okay, we're, they're paying over or under market rate, and um, we're getting a good deal or getting a bad deal. Maybe they could renegotiate this deal. And also being able to go back to a, a, a partner and say, hey, you know, 60% of our portfolio companies are using your product. Is there any way we could get a better global deal, you know, across the board? So that's something that we're working on. And but it does require, you know, a little bit of work from the founders, a little bit of buy-in from them. You know, that data isn't easily found and and we have to work hard to kind of get that with them. But yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of pressure again on you know teams to really cut costs and, and look at the data and say, look, how can we get a better deal? Or is it time to move on to another vendor? And there's always new vendors coming out and saying, like, we've got a better product at a cheaper price. So again, to keep up with that, it's it's very, it's very difficult. Like even the time it takes to switch out a product is is huge.
1: I would say too, on on that, Gene, like we don't have a database of, of what everyone's using. And I don't know really anyone in the VC community who has that and is sharing it currently. But what we try to do is foster community amongst the kind of leadership within the broader GGB community, and create spaces and forums for them to be able to have conversations. And it comes up pretty organically sometimes, mostly kind of with our finance leaders or maybe product leaders around. Hey, we just went through this renewal process. You know, what did they quote you guys? Or is anyone you know handling you know a renewal with this vendor? What does that look like? So. We just try to act as kind of a community driving kind of forcing function for those types of conversations
0: uh, so i want to take a look at this in a little bit of a different lens as we talk about startups a lot of our startups are actually digitally based right their products are digital their products are something that we're pushing from a technology perspective but what i see a lot with some of the existing organizations some of the larger more you know long term organizations there's a lot of paper process that's happening there there's a lot of manual expectation and i know some places will say well yeah we're we're automated and it just turns out to be like an excel spreadsheet <laughs> because these are digital first within the organization as far as what they're developing Does it necessarily mean that what they're using to run their business also becomes digital first, or are you still seeing a lot of manual process happening there?
1: I think it's really in their DNA to be digital first, especially so many companies that are being built right now are hybrid or even just completely remote. Employees are everywhere. They need to be able to have one space online in which they're, you know, have kind of a knowledge hub and ways in which multiple people from different geos can you know access the pertinent information for scaling a business so we really do see that those those are digital first businesses we also invest in, in a lot of companies that are coming up with solutions to eliminate a lot of that manual paperwork and, and anything that would require a human in the loop to be able to input any data. So we're definitely believers in kind of this digital first transformation. And we see that with, with the adoption for early stage
0: companies.
2: Yeah, 100% agree, Bailey. I think what we're saying as well is that, you know, startups are digital first. But they have a hundred different digital tools that aren't actually connected, and so it's almost like being in a paper-based environment again, where you have to coddle together different tools. And and you know, I see that like I'm logging into fifty different platforms to figure it out. And I'd love someday someone's going to come up with a solution that allows just a huge dashboard and it connects everything for me and makes it easy. It could be ChatGTP, who knows? I think that's the way it's going to go, and that'll be truly digital first. But today, you're still. I'm still logging into 50 different applications.
0: Yeah. (laughs) In this case, they're not any different than some of the larger organizations that are around. They're still trying to figure out how to push this all together. But you mentioned something very interesting, Phil, around ChatGBT and the idea of AI playing that increasing value within an organization to run processes and procedures while reducing some of the cost around even resource. Are you seeing that happening more and more within the startup space? Are they really capturing the true power of AI in what they're doing to run their businesses, not just create their products?
2: Uh, I think it's probably happening you know, under the hood somewhere like the, we're using chat gtp every day you know we we had an, an issue with with data the other day and we we basically said to chat GTP take this data and categorize it for us which would have taken us days to do and it did it in a few seconds and so there are probably businesses being built now that we don't know about yet you know like digital AI tools that that'll say look look at all of my emails and and create emails for me that are in my tone of voice that that sound perfect to my, my customers. That isn't available yet today. I'm sure there's tons of companies working on it, but yeah, we're we're using it every day. It tons of limitations. It gets stuff wrong all the time, but it's it's going scarily fast in terms of you know what what new companies are coming up with. And I'm sure within six months we'll be having a whole new conversation around. Wow, I didn't see that coming. And uh, that that's you know that's gotten rid of three businesses that that existed for 20 years, and now this new AI yeah. tool is coming and taking their space.
1: Yeah, we see um, we see companies who are doing really innovative stuff, even just saw an interesting use case from a, a portfolio company where they're using it and their, well, their single shingle people leader within the organization is using it to be able to summarize employee feedback and anonymize employee feedback and share that out within the organization. So I think there's a lot of individuals who are finding ways to enhance their own productivity within their organization using you know not only chat gpt but any other kind of gen ai tools there's a lot of tools that have have come out in the last 6 months and we're excited by by what folks are doing to be innovative there
0: and that kind of brings me back to a little something that phil was mentioning earlier about the leadership team being you know collaborative is there a tight connection do you see in a lot of these startups between their For lack of a better term, their C-level executive, that executive team, the one that's running the IT team versus the one that's running the finance team, do you see that as being a collaborative space or do they tend to be one in the same?
1: We see those folks spend a lot of time together solving problems. I don't know how much of their time is spent discussing which tooling everyone's using. I think if they had kind of a single pane of glass view of, of what that all looked like and who could be using what, it'd be that much better. But yeah, those are collaborative teams that are um, usually getting together you know every 90 days in person at least, but having weekly conversations.
2: yeah, look same here like we're like we're a very small firm you know about 20 people but we're always you know talking about tools and products and services how to make it more efficient. Some of the team will come to me and say, hey, we found this tool this is going to make this job much much easier. It's 20 bucks a month. let's get it. I'm like yeah i don't care let's just let's just use it so it's coming from all sides and you know it's it's not like we have to go into a committee like a large large company i think that the smaller the company the more the collaboration as they get bigger and bigger and bigger it's going to get more silos naturally but for us it's very easy now to kind of collaborate but it may change when we're when we get bigger
0: okay i want to go back to one thing that was mentioned earlier around the vendor and the vendor roots and, and how vendors come into your life. The idea of vendors maybe because it's an er, in an early startup position versus maybe a startup that's a little bit further along in their funding. They're willing to take percentages of the business rather than having to go through an RFP or taking that in lieu of payment. How often do you see that in the In the startup space where vendors are coming in and saying, well, we're willing to cut some of the pricing or willing to take part of the company just in order to get our product in there and get a little bit of, for lack of a better term, the action of your growth. Do you see that a lot, Bailey?
1: I would say, Gene, we don't see it with fellow technology companies. We do see it maybe with search partners, executive search partners. That's not an uncommon ask. And and maybe with kind of mentors and advisors or kind of a go-to-market consultant might make those types of asks, but not something I've seen personally on um, startup to startup.
2: Okay. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It's it's. I think it's happening less and less. I think there are some cases. Some lawyers do it for sure. Some accountants still try to do it. Well, maybe Sam Altman and his forty-nine percent of to Microsoft. You know, in exchange for. <laughs> Their, their their data centers is a is a big example. But no, I think there are a ton of really, really good vendors out there that are willing to offer really good deals. 90% off, 80% off to early stage startups, the first year for free, first two years for free. And these really help startups. You know, it's it's quite a big cost to the vendors. You know, if you look at what Google is doing, what Amazon is doing, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in credits to these startups, a big cost to them. And you know, in fairness to them, they keep doing it, which is great. You know, it's a good deal for them if the if the startup works out, becomes the next unicorn. But in over the last five years, we've seen more and more of this, where vendors will say, "Yeah, we're going to give a huge discount," especially if they're working with uh, venture backed startups. You know, like going to going to Bailey and say, "Hey, Bailey, you know, we'll give you guys an awesome deal if you can promote us." So yeah, that's that's for sure a big trend.
0: Well. I think we've covered all of my questions (laughs) but I always like to try to wrap up with a few takeaways that I have that I just want to you know sanity check with you to make sure I took away the right things from the conversation. So one of the first things that I really think about here is the reporting is critical because benchmarks for some of this pricing models for the usage for the long-term scalability of some of what they're doing is still doesn't exist for a large number of the startups. So reporting becomes then a very critical way to run the organization on the day to day. Is that a good takeaway?
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's, it's trusting the folks who are making these decisions alongside you and putting a little bit back onto them to make sure that they're monitoring usage and can justify what those tools are doing in, in the organization, what the ROI is on those tools.
2: Yeah, hundred percent agree. Like still to this day, I would love to have a daily report on P&L and all of my tools and kind of ROI and you know, on the tools that I'm using. I don't have a 40,000 foot view on all the stack that we're using or the cost to me each month. So that's something that we're working on that, I, that I'm actively building. And I think you know, having that view of, hey, there's going to be a huge increase in your SaaS cost next month because you're doing all these GPU runs, whatever it is, will be really useful to say, okay, we need to cut costs elsewhere to make sure we don't go in the red. Yeah, so that, that's, that's really important.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay, I got that one. The second one I have is, while well, everything is digital first, It still is kind of manual because you have so many different pieces of digital technology together that don't necessarily integrate. So maybe I know everybody's working in a real fast environment when we're in a startup it's quick and fast where you know entrepreneurial, but there may need to be a chance to take a step back from a strategic perspective and just ensure as you're adding things to your stack. They're working with each other and it reduces some of that manual effort. I know Phil, you were pretty passionate about that whole idea of having the 50 pieces that you have to log into. Is that a good piece of advice for our startup or audience?
2: Yeah, I think there are, are probably like depending on the stage of the company and the size of the company, they they'll only need, you know, 10 or 15 particular tools. You know, one thing that some of our VC partners are are saying is look use these tools. You don't need to go to a huge, you know, RFP process, just use these 10 tools and then this'll do you. You don't need to go looking around too much. And also, by the way, you'll get a big discount if you go, if you go through the platform. So that that can really help. And it just reduces the mental load on the founders on trying to, you know, over-engineer things. Mm
0: -hmm. The last thing I have is you really need to find vendors that you can trust and grow with and know what you're spending on so that idea that we talked about earlier those vendors really become partners in a sense in your growth and they're invested in who you are and where you're going have i got that right bailey
1: <laughs> yeah no i i think that's exactly right you know it's their relationships that you'll want to keep building and kind of i you don't know putting deposits into because those folks can really unlock doors. I mean it depends on the the size of the organization and the vendor and, um, but they can really help usually beyond even the tool that, that they're sharing I mean, we've had incredible partnerships with with vendors who've supported in you know getting companies into their marketplaces or introducing them to their product teams for feedback. So understanding that it goes beyond just you know the purchasing of the tool or usage of the tool and that there's often an ecosystem and a network and a community that you can tap into as well.
0: Okay, well, you yeah. Go ahead, Phil.
2: No, I was just going to see, like, like uh, I know our friends from SAP Concur have been really good that way. Yeah. You know, obviously they're selling software. You guys are selling software. It's a, it's a good tool. But then, you know, your door is always open to say, hey, guys, you know, I want an introduction to your CTO because I've got a product that he might want to buy. And, you know, the team on the ground have been amazing, you know, helping to make introductions, to sponsoring events, to, you know, so that's a real partner, not just someone who's, who's going to do a great pitch and then take your money every month, uh, whose product is evolving over time, making it better, making it easier. So, you know, with, with the work we've done with SAP Concur, you guys have been fantastic.
0: Well, thank you. I love working with some of our startup customers, and I also love hearing the different tools that are coming out of some of our startup partners, because innovation comes sometimes in a smaller space right innovation comes from those who are moving fast and furious and have this great idea and so sharing it and being able to take advantage of some of the ideas that have come to us where we can say oh yeah that really works that's something we've been thinking about and having somebody come to us with it already and incepted and and dreamed and created is really the basis of how we look at our partner space. We love to work with our partners. It's a win-win in our book. So I, I do wanna thank you both for being here today. It was a nice reminder of our startup environment. I had worked at a startup many years ago and I I remember the fast pace, I remember the, 50 different products because <laughs> you you could do something quick with one thing. And, and so we said, OK, you just buy it for now and we'll figure out how we're going to work with it later. So it, it sounds to me like things are getting a little more strategic, but it's really nice to be able to visit that space again. So thank you both for being here today.
1: Thank you, Jean. Lots thanks of fun. Thanks so much.
0: Yeah. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening to this episode of the SAP Concur Conversations podcast. To hear more exclusive insights and interviews from the world of business travel, expense, and invoice processing, please be sure to subscribe and listen wherever you find your podcasts. And join us again for our next SAP Concur Conversation.